It is Easter Sunday. It is. I just automatically turn into like a religious pod. He <laughs> has risen. It's here. I was going to say, I was like, God is good all the time. He is good yeah. all the time. He is, he is here. I feel him. Woo-hoo, I feel him. The spirit is in me. I can see him. I'm drinking a Yingling <laughs> flight, and your love of God will fly soon. Oh, there you go. There we go. Because God gives you wings. Let's go. God gives you wings. It is Check the Vending Machines Weekly Pop Culture Podcast, where two best friends come together and talk yes. about Jesus Christ. And you do every week. You put the quarter in, you think you're getting Funyuns, but really, you're getting a small bag of gospel. And we're talking about <laughs> why the Ark was real. All right, Zach, oh take, take it away. All right. Why, why were the two animals? The original antediluvian event and how it is real and how Noah somehow did fit fish on the ark. And two at a time. I, I think we're going to segue into our next segment about our favorite hymn. Zach, what is your favorite hymn? Um, oh, I think my favorite hymn has got to be Austin 316. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen L.A. Knight? I don't think so. He's uh he's been around for a long time. He's Eli Drake. Do you remember Eli Drake from TNA? Vaguely, that name is familiar to me. Yeah, he's like basically if you took Stone Cold and The Rock and combined them. <laughs> I love he's, that. It's like his promo style. He's he's he is crushing. It. He, and his his catchphrase is yeah, yeah. It's like he'll he'll be talking t- cutting a with promo. Daniel Bryan with the yes shit. Yeah, he'll be cutting a promo. He'll be like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the crowd start doing it back at him. He'll be like, "Let me talk." Yeah. yeah. Or, or he'll say like, "Let me talk to you." It's he's 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 amazing. Oh my god, that's um, funny. I'll have to look him up. I'm yeah, starting to get, he, I haven't actually started watching shows, but I've been. I don't know why, but it's wrestling has started to show up more in my social media, so I've become more ingratiated with the current wrestling. Well, what's, hap- what's happening? You know, it's a good and bad situation right now because Vince is back. I've seen a lot enough. of people upset that Vince is back behind. I didn't realize he was like gone from behind the wheel for any sort of period of time. Oh yeah, dude. But I also saw something cause I know what happened at WrestleMania and I was already kind of upset about that. Cause I think we're both big Cody stands and I really thought he was good. I thought he was going to walk away with it. Yeah. And then my other buddy uh, who I work with, who's also a big wrestling stand was talking to me and he was like, they're just going to make Roman have the title to, what was it, like a thousand days or something? Yeah. I don't know. How long has he had it now? It's like 900, 900 something. Yeah. So they he's like, they're just going to make him keep it to a thousand days. And I was I like, I think it's like till so SummerSlam to be a thousand. Boring. I don't know. But I, um, I, I'm not a Cody stand. I don't, I don't even think Cody's that great. I think I Cody's good, but I don't, I I've Cody. never loved Cody that much. I wasn't watching WWE when he was in there. Like, when see, he was that was really- my intro. He's, he was around when I was actually getting into it because that was around – we first started showing up on WWE was like the legacy era with him, Randy Orton, and Ted DiBiase doing their stable. That was that was primetime Zach viewing WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown twice a week, baby. At that point, I was already in the indies and ROH and yeah. T- heavy TNA at the time. Um, you know, New Japan kind of every now and then just from Eclipse. I wasn't mm-hmm. watching any live shows or anything. But um, I didn't watch WrestleMania. I saw yeah. what happened. I know that he lost. Um, yeah. 
I think the booking it was more is like fine. He lost in a bullshit way too, because it was just like, oh, is Roman's guy like Simone spiked him and then rolled yeah. him back in the ring, and it's like I think that the booking was fine because yeah. it's like you like your coworker said to you, they're gonna let it run to a thousand days, look them look, make him look strong still, um, and then they'll have him run it back. and And the reality is, is that Cody didn't earn it. Well, he, yeah, he didn't earn it. He he came in. He did some cool stuff, got hurt for nine months, came back, and now he's a towel shot. Yeah. Not good building. Makes more money off this. Yeah, that's true. You got to start right. Yeah, you got to beat everyone else. Because the reality is, if I'm going off. Well, that's definitely a, what they're doing. Because now it's definitely his next bit is he's going to have to take oh, yeah. on Brock Lesnar. So. Yes. And, and if I'm going to pick someone that, you know, who's going to earn it, like Gunther is the guy who's like been working his ass off. And Gunther has been working his ass off. I really am been, I was, I haven't been paying too much attention, but his. Triple threat with McIntyre and uh, and Sheamus was pretty mm-hmm. solid. Yeah, I mean, and I just don't necessarily care for the WWE style of wrestling. Still, yeah. um, I, I tune in every now and then uh, to see the big stuff. Yeah, um, I haven't I haven't watched NXT in a long time either. But um, in terms of pro wrestling, currently, I'm kind of like I'm watching old shit. Yeah, I just well, that's been a lot of the shit it. that I've been watching more too is like highlights of like the best shit from like back in the day. And um, yeah, well that that's where my, my fascination is that is that is I like the old stuff, I like the '70s stuff, I like the '80s stuff, I like mm-hmm. the Japan stuff, I like all Japan, yeah. I like I like older New Japan, um, I like current New Japan too, but they just lost a big guy. And they got Sasha though, which I saw, which is kind of huge. They got, like some, they got Sasha, uh, whatever, Mercedes, whatever. Mercedes, Monet, or something like that? Yeah, they got her, and she's great, obviously. She's yeah. powerhouse. But mm-hmm. um, that's still such a small division because New Japan never had women's wrestling. Yeah. So that's still all brand new. Uh, obviously, the Joshi stuff and other companies are fantastic, like Stardom. But right. in terms of New Japan, they lost Jay White recently to AEW. Oh, yeah, I saw that he went deal. to AEW, yeah. Big deal. He was a he was a powerhouse of a of a Gaijin guy, and now yeah. that the Bullet Club at this point is kind of like a like a skeleton of what it used to be. I was about to say, are they kind of like out the on the outs in New Japan now? No, they're still there, but they're like it's definitely no not what it's it, not what, as strong as it used to be. No, I mean it, it used to be like when they first when it first started with like Finn Balor and as mm-hmm. Fergal or whatever his name Prince Devitt, yeah, and like. Um, all those kind of guys, machine gun, all those guys. It was like just basically a stable of asshole foreigners who were yeah. like so like heel. Uh, and obviously, as a, as AJ comes in and he brings his own mm-hmm. stuff, then when Kenny takes it's like such great stuff as this, these American, Canadian, European, non Japanese wrestlers. Yeah, and now it's just kind of like okay, well. Do we really care? And New Japan as a company has is having a big problem with like they just don't. To me, they don't really have a lot of talent that is mm. like worth watching in terms right. of besides like the old guys like Okada, right? The Naito, guys who've been around there for the guys who've been there for a while. There's a lot of like they have the built-in program where they have training, but. As someone who doesn't watch every single event, I'm not watching every single thing. Yeah. So I'm less 
you know, plugged in as I used to be, mm-hmm. but I'm just constantly on Reddit and I'm constantly on the squared circle Reddit. So I see all the fucking marks talking all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem like the company has that much buzz. And the, the last couple of years since the pandemic started, they've really been kind of on a yeah a week, a weekend. Cause Kota Ibushi got out. Um, it just kind of stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know, but we're here on the Lord's day. We are to talk about a movie and I want to preface this because I I had a a reason why I decided to to watch this movie. Yes. And the reason why I asked you if you would be willing to watch it is because I was on, I think Instagram Mm -hmm. and I um, saw a a posting from some VHS or VCR group that I follow because I Mm -hmm. watch a lot of, I subscribe to a lot of VHS pages. Yeah. And they made a post about how there's two movies from the nineties that were basically the same movie. And the movies were stone cold and beyond Beyond the law Law. or fixing the shadow or something, whatever the other title. I didn't realize they had like an alternate name. Yeah. It's like different names or something for different versions, but beyond the law, fixing the shadow, obviously because of what happens in the movie, but beyond the law is a better name. Yeah, so Beyond the Law and Stone Cold, I think, came out like within like six months or a year of each other. It's one of those weird coincidences happens in Hollywood a lot when it was like, what was it? Like A Bug's Life and Ants came out at the same yeah, time. Yeah, or like, like Armageddon, like Deep Impact. Yeah, and Deep Impact and what stuff was like it? that. Yeah. And like The Core and like all those kind of like movies. Those movies that seem way too similar for it to be a coincidence that they're coming out. Right. Like, or is it the, now um, it's like Creed came out like last month and now there's like the George Foreman movie coming out like this month or next month or something like that. Or the um, No Strings Attached and best, um, that comedy with, with Ashton Kutcher and oh, um, No Strings Attached and like, like Friends with Benefits or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Same thing. Because that was the one with him and Mila Kunis, right? There's one with Mila Kunis and there's one with uh, Natalie Portman. Yeah. So... I watched Stone Cold mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, yeah. and I had never seen it, never even My heard of it. were Stone Cold. I fucking loved it. I thought it was a fantastic movie. After I will say, after not watching the movie, but watching Red Letter Media do their breakdown of the movie, and then watching Beyond the Law, even then, these are two very different movies. Yes, they're two different movies, and... I, I figure we watch Stone Cold sometime in a few weeks if you want. Yeah, I'm sure. But, but this episode, we're focusing on the Charlie Sheen led yes. Michael Madsen Whew. biker cop flick Beyond the Law. Yes. 1993, Larry Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Now, I have never heard of this movie, like I said, until I saw this Instagram post. Dude, I'd never heard of this movie. And in fact, I got confused because we were talking about this movie last week about wanting to watch it. And when I first looked it up, it does not pull up the Charlie Sheen movie. It pulls up the Steven Seagal movie, Beyond the Law. I was like, you want to watch another Steven Seagal movie? I So this movie, though, Beyond the Law with Charlie Sheen, Mm -hmm. at my age in this lifetime... At the ripe old age of three o, very very ripe. Um, these are all that I watch now. 
Oh yeah, these type of movies. I, I don't yeah. mean like biker flicks. I mean like these eighties, nineties, early two thousands mm-hmm. action movies that just you never heard of. <laughs> That's what I watch. Like yeah. I don't watch anything new anymore. I mm-hmm. rarely do. I just finally watched Creed because it's on streaming. And uh-huh. that's it. And? Oh, I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was good. It wasn't good. It wasn't amazing. Um, it was. I fine. don't think it's as good as the first movie, but it, it felt it was definitely better than the second movie for me. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but this is my go-to stuff. These yeah. like B action flicks that are not really B movies, but they're like they definitely have. A people in them, but they just mm-hmm. didn't get the recognition or right. the, didn't do well. And Beyond the Law is absolutely that kind of flick. And I oh, do love B, I love B stuff and I love C stuff or whatever you want to call it, just super mm-hmm. low budget stuff. But there's something great about these movies that have big names in them that's just like got lost to time. Like this yeah. is Beyond the Law and Stone Cold too, to keep re- referencing the the thing. But mm-hmm. Beyond the Law is a movie that, for someone like me who grew up in the video store, mm-hmm. it was only ever going to be discovered on like natural discovery of me walking through the aisle. Oh yeah, like I was never you never saw this movie on TV, and if it was on TV, you just you skipped over. Like you, there's no way this movie. This is a movie where if you saw it on TV, you go next channel. Right, like this is a movie that you either saw when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. So your dad rented it randomly, or you saw the cover, or you whatever. Saw this kid, I'm sorry, because this is a little. I don't know. There's a parts. There's some parts of here that are a little too intense for a small child. Sure. I mean, maybe so, not for you because you watched RoboCop when you were a kid, but yeah, I was a hard kid. Yeah, I was a hard kid, bro. Well, um, these streets. Beyond the law, Zach. Yeah. After having gone going from zero to having seen it, yes. What were your initial thoughts of the movie after you uh, wrapped it up? Um, I liked it. Uh, Charlie Sheen's great, and Michael Madsen was uh, really great in it. Um, it had some decent action scenes, um, but nothing that really like amazed me too much. Probably the thing that like stuck out to me the most is when he fucking runs his fucking bike through the middle of that bar. Yeah, crashes it right into a jukebox. I was like, "Oh, okay, you're just gonna legit just crash this bike." Okay, cool. Yeah, when I finished it, I thought decent flick. Yeah, decent flick, but in my brain, I was already comparing it to Stone Cold <laughs> because that's the point. That's where it's I definitely like, not as bonkers as Stone Cold. Stone Cold is wild. Stone like this movie is a bummer kind of flick yeah a very serious flick it's definitely yeah it's more serious it's definitely more of like the dramatic aspect i mean there's a lot of the like i don't know if it's necessarily like ptsd but like oh, absolutely. memories that like absolutely charlie PTSD. sheen's character has from you know mm-hmm. he was abused as a kid by his uncle because he was half native american which they don't really bring up other than the fact that like oh your dad beat you because he even talks to like a native american at the beginning i thought that was like gonna be more of his character and it was really more of like a one-off type of yeah. thing they're just like oh this is just why he beats you because you're part native american well then the story that the native american tells is supposed to be like he's like yeah 
I mean, but finally yeah. we get around to that in like the last like yeah twenty five minutes of the movie are like oh yeah that story you told yeah okay that makes sense I, I so when I finished the movie mm-hmm. I thought that yeah very it was very serious for the kind of movie that it is like it's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's a biker flick but it's so trying to take itself so seriously it's like an undercover cop biker flick but it's like. It's got as much serious and about the undercover stuff that like True Detective did when like Matthew McConaughey went undercover at the bike. It's like the same type of vibe where it's like they portray it as like being undercover like fucks you up. Right. And I wasn't expecting that because I thought that when people com- – when I saw this posting on Instagram yeah. about how they were similar movies because they are similar movies in the story. The basic um, structure of the story is similar, yeah. Yes. But when I when – I, I thought they were going to be like – Oh, these are going to be like identical movies, no. and they're not even close in terms of stylistic choices, yeah. in terms of theming. Like this, Beyond the Law is like a. I wouldn't even. I would almost be fair to say it's like a psychological action movie. Yeah, I would consider it more than that. I don't even know if I'd really consider it. I mean, there's definitely like action i don't know if i'd really consider it an action it's more like a psychological like crime drama than it is like yeah. an action movie i don't For know sure. if i could really, i mean there's definitely like action scenes in it but i don't know if i'd necessarily call this an action movie no but i i would say crime it's a crime flick is yeah it's definitely like a psychological crime like thriller type of thing for sure and obviously the psychological stuff is a heavy-handed until towards the end of the movie which is part of the yeah. story um and i do think that that stuff kind of comes in a little heavy-handed out of nowhere it comes in a little too late i mean there's definitely like laying the ground seeds from the beginning like obviously he's like having the nightmares and stuff like that but it does feel like it just comes out of nowhere that all of a sudden he just like flips a switch and he's like yeah uh, i can't tell like if i'm me or if i'm the undercover guy blah 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 yeah and it's like especially well, since like you've been doing when- this for like at this point the way they talk about it, he's been doing it for like months. So yeah. I don't know why all of a sudden, like, you know, like six months in or whatever, you're finally deciding to like, ah, I can't, dis- I can't discern what's real or not anymore. Or like how in the, in the sequence where he beats the undercover cop up. Yeah. Um, and like, he's it, having like, yeah, his like flashbacks during that. Like, yeah. And like losing control. Yeah. You see, I actually took it some, I thought the scene was going to go differently. I thought he was just going to kill that cop right there. No, no, I didn't think he was going to kill the cop. I thought that, okay, they're saying it's undercover cop and Charlie Sheen is looking at the guy and like, oh, he is an undercover cop. Mm. So to save his life, I'm going to be the one to go fight him because I can like. Oh, no, I definitely think that's what it started off as because, yeah, I definitely got the like, okay, I'm going to do it because I can beat him up and not kill him and just like send him away. But then towards the end where they're like, the film was making it portrayed as though he's like. You, you taking his aggression out on his dad on this guy, yeah, which is what they're implying. But in my brain, I'm thinking, yeah, but you were also a cop for like however many years before this. Like you yeah. don't have a problem with police officers. You you are one, and you were one for a long time. Yeah, I don't really get that aspect of it either. I mean, I de- I definitely get that they're trying to do it. That like I think at first it was like, oh, I've got to do it so that I can beat him up, and uh, one so I can protect my cred. Yeah. And also, like, I can beat him up in a way that, like, nobody else will, that, like, he won't be, like, seriously injured or something like that. And I get, I guess, like, thematically, they're trying to say, like, the film is trying to portray it as though he's 
He's losing himself, yeah. Well, he's losing himself or like he's pulling the anger that he had for his dad who was a cop on this guy right. because but like it just kind of it's kind of muddled at that point. Um and to my previous what I was trying to say before about the movies is that like this movie is serious fully and foremost. Like they they have some mm-hmm. humor here and there, but it's a very serious movie and the budget's too low for it to really kind of seem that serious because it's kind of mm. it kind of it's it's funny that way where like it's it's very much a 1993 lower budget crime movie and it yeah. feels that way. Whereas you, if you watch Stone Cold, it knows exactly what it is, and it is an it, is it knows it's some schlocky ass it, shit. That to me, when I when I wrapped up Beyond the Law, I said I will never watch this movie again. But but Stone Cold has made it into my. Rotisserie into, the, into the repertoire, yeah. My rotisserie chicken of VHS movies because it it was amazing. It was so fun. It's fucking that shit insane. It's it a, was amazing. It's a, it's a crazy movie. I thought the movie because the cover of the movie of I know we're talking about Beyond the Wall, but the, the cover of Stone Cold, I thought it was going to be like this movie, like a very serious undercover yeah, it's just movie. like him with like sunglasses and there's like a badge behind him right or like something ref- like that reflecting it looks like a fucking trigun art like, yeah. it's like reflecting off the goggles but then opening of the movie he has like a fucking like komodo dragon pet and like what yeah. what are we talking about dude Isn't like the first scene of the movie he's like sleeping with some broad and then he's like all right time to get out well she's like his his friend but the cops right. show up like he's like goofing around i'm like this is not what i thought it was gonna be and then yeah. Beyond the Law, I thought it was going to be the same kind of thing. Like, it's going to be a Charlie Sheen doing some hot shots type yeah. of humor. It's going to be like, no. Definitely no hot shots in this movie. Something like that. And then it's like, it's like Platoon. Like, it's like. Yeah. It's you know, a very it's, serious, like, character piece for sure. Yeah. And speaking of the story, which is about this cop named mm-hmm. motherfucking Saxon. Saxon. Gets fired from his shitty deputy job he's, it's yeah it's shitty small town sheriff's office yeah and he gets With a job sheriff right he's a job offer from some or arizona investigators who is from some shit i recognize him i just can't remember what he's from he's but so, so familiar looking i know he's been in some other shit i he just can't so think familiar. of it off the top of my head i'm gonna go to his his fucking um um, Law and he's Order. In, he's in Criminal Intent. Oh, that's right. He's like one of the main attorneys in Law and Order. I know him from Criminal Intent. Yeah. 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 That's where I recognize him from. Yeah. I knew I recognized. Oh, he's in Hunt from Red October too. All right. All right. I see. So, you. yeah, Saxon, uh, the character Saxon, Charlie Sheen, gets mm-hmm. fired, gets a new job offer to be undercover for the the state attorney's office or whatever. Yes. Um. And he has to go through this whole situation to be a biker to find drugs and guns with the biker gang, which is Michael Madsen's gang. Yeah. Which in Stone Cold is the, is Bishop's gang from Alien. Yes, because Lance Reddick is in Stone Cold. What's his, what's his last name? Who? Bishop? Yeah. Lance Reddick. Really? I'm pretty sure that's his last I name. It was, I knew it was Lance something, but I didn't know his last name was that. I'm pretty sure it's Lance Reddick. I, I just I couldn't remember, because um, the only land oh. person. Wait, no, that's not right. Oh shit! What is his name? 
Fuck, now I'm confused. I've confused myself. <laughs> I, I, I think it is Lance Lance Reddick. Reddick. I'm sorry. Lance Reddick is the man who just died. Like, last Yeah, week. that's what I was saying. I was like, John Wick guy? The, Queen, the Wire? No, it's Lance... What the fuck is his name? The search Alien Bishop. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh, I typed in Alien and didn't immediately... Pu- Henriksen. That's what it is. Henriksen. There we go. Henriksen. So, I knew it was Lance something. But no, I got you. Yeah, and like, so it's like you have the same kind of character. Like they're both like these like famous people playing these biker yeah. villain gang members. So S- Saxon goes undercover. And this is part of the story of the movie that I thought was very... Up until this point, right? Mm-hmm. Where he meets Rip Torn. Mm-hmm. Or is it... Is it no, Riptorn? he meets... Um, not Rip Torn. Rip Torn was the other guy who was working in the sheriff's office. He, he meets... meets um, um, yeah, Rippy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is Leon? Oh, uh, not Leon. Virgil. Yeah, he's Virgil from. Um, oh, what the fuck is he in? Oh my god. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's been in a lot of shit. Good character actor. He's still yeah, he meets Virgil, now. and then Virgil teaches him how to be a biker. You know where? Uh, hold on. He looks like you know a where Leon Rippy is from? What is he from? He's from Rock Hill, South Carolina. What? Yeah, shit, dude. So he meets All Virgil, right. Leon Rippy. Um, now here is where, here is the part where I thought the movie was going to go stone cold. Yeah, because when Saxon and Rip or Virgil meet, it is mm-hmm. so quick and so stupid and so dumb of a reason to help an undercover cop out. It's. I thought it was going to be the reason he decides. Yeah, to I thought it was going to be like a funny, goofy time movie because of that. It kind of felt they, like that because his whole character is kind of like funny, goofy. Yeah, whatever. It's funny. Like, it's oh, I just want to be a deputy. I want to be a cop. And I'm like, oh, right. That's it. That's the only reason you wanted to do this. Like the when they, they first meet at the bar and Virgil I thought was he like, was actually already a biker, and so when he was like immediately like I'm a narc, I was yeah. like, oh, he's about to get fucking stabbed. <laughs> Right, and when Virgil was like, "Hey, even flashes some money around," and Charlie yeah. Sheen's like, "Yeah, I'm actually an undercover cop trying to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. One's gonna sell to me. Oh, you look like a cop. That's why." I thought the scene was gonna go differently, and like, yeah, he was gonna be a biker already, yeah, and be like, "Oh, I'm just joking," mm-hmm. and like, you know, but the scene takes such a weird, yeah, they take that scene so goofy, and there's the next very next scene where he. Charlie Sheen gives him the badge mm-hmm. and it, it really plays like a fucking goof troop of a movie. I mean, that whole scene in general, whether he's like training him to be a biker is a goof troop. Like he pulls up what, like the carriage of a motorcycle. And he just yeah. lays it in front of him. He's like, by the time you're done with this thing, you're going to be the envy of everybody else around. And Charlie Sheen's like, okay, dude. Right. He's like, or what, when- what does he say? He's like, what do you know about the internal combustion engine? I'm like, what? Yeah. What are you well, talking about right later now? Later on, when he gets him his his cut, and then he like yeah, yeah he pees on the cut. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this movie is. And then when the movie finishes, I'm like, dude, this is like a fucking roller coaster of a movie of emotions. Yeah. Like, we don't know what tone we're trying to choose here. Like, the Very beginning, and then he ends up just like abruptly leaving, leaving the movie, leaving. Like he just gets to a point where he's just like, I'm done. I don't want to be in this movie anymore. <laughs> Right, like oh, my my days ran out. Yeah, and you're getting too out. wild. You pulled the gun on the cop, man. Yeah, and that the rest of the movie 
Mm-hmm. Right, which follows Charlie Sheen's character slowly fitting into the biker gang and slowly devolving into this weird, unsure like, of where he's at on he's the not, spectrum. It's, it's a weird place for Charlie Sheen's character to be in because, like, he's clearly like losing himself a little bit, and then, like the classic undercover thing where he's like getting too close to blood, and he's like starting to like actually like blood, yeah, and like be friends with him, and like that happens in like every undercover movie, obviously. Yeah. You always get too close to the mark, but right. um, or he's still like trying to be like a good guy. Obviously, like what is it? The first thing they said to him is like he's like trying to be like a knight in shining armor to yeah. like all these other like poor unfortunate people and all this shit. Yeah, and I, it just feels like the story could have been for as slim as the story is. I mm-hmm. almost feel they could have slimmed it down more and removed some of the parts. Like you don't have to have Renee as a character. What's the point? I mean, I enjoyed it because I recognized that she was the chick from Men in Black. Men in Black. Like, oh, yeah. I love yeah. Her. <laughs> yeah. You know, my whole life, I thought that that um, Linda Florent Fiorentino, mm-hmm. Fiorentino, um, the, the lady from Men in Black. Yeah. I always thought she was the same. I always confused her with someone else. I always did too. I always confused her with, I don't know who, I can't remember who I confused her with. I always confused her with somebody else too, like looks wise. But then as soon yeah. as they opened their mouth, I was like, oh, it's not the same girl. Like, she has a very know. like distinct. Yeah. I don't know if voice. I confused her with like Rachel Weiss for a while. I don't or know like, if it was her or if it was like maybe like Demi Moore or something like that. Or Yeah. Or um, what's the um, Michelle Monaghan or someone else, like other yeah, people maybe. who look kind of similar. Yeah. I remember being like, for a long time, always being so confused. Um, and then realizing that, oh, I was wrong. Like, it's this, this is a whole different person. Yeah, it's just, person. it's this other chick who's been almost yeah. in like nothing popular besides Men in Black. Besides Men in Black. Um, but I feel like the character, I kind of get the point of her character being there to like, mm-hmm. I don't know, because she doesn't even ground him though, really. Like, it's not, she, her purpose of bringing him to reality, if you think that's kind of the character's purpose. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even succeed because the point of what brings him back to reality is the death of the clerk. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's nothing that she does at all. Like, she tries to do it, but he wasn't yeah. listening. And then, yeah, it's once blood shoots the gas station clerk that that's finally when he has his, like, come right. to Jesus moment. Back to reality. Yeah, finally, like, oh, yeah, these are, like, evil fucking people. Right. And the... and. The entire like second act of the movie, which is all him undercover, him getting mm-hmm. close to blood, and him being in the biker game, all these like drug deals and like weapons yeah. buys and like all this evidence piling that they're like trying and to gather up. And this is like where that. I was trying to say earlier when I talk about the budget and the what the movie is trying to do doesn't really work for me. Mm-hmm. Is that like the way the film looks and kind of goes about certain things? Mm-hmm. And the aspirations of the themes that they're trying to hit on. Yeah. Like, there's a montage of of Charlie Sheen's character buying guns and drugs. Mm-hmm. That's a very, like, B-action, yeah. B-crime thing to do. But in the same movie, they we, we try to have Saxon's character have inter, internal turmoil about abuse of his dad and then him yeah. losing himself in undercover. Like, they don't, it doesn't really fit to me in the same. And that sounds super dumb. I know it does. But think about it. Like, think about the 90s movies. Like, 
Mm-hmm. What we're, what this movie is trying to do is what you would see in like a fucking Scorsese in The Departed or something, something like that yeah. from the 90s, right? But then we're seeing this movie that looks like it's from canon. Yeah. It definitely you know doesn't I mean? look like I get what you're saying. Like the the aspirations of this movie, yeah, are definitely like bigger than what their budget is like able to accomplish for sure. What their budget was, what the way they just the way they shot it, the way they like the yeah. style of movie, the style of the costumes, the style of the sets, how many sets they actually have, all I that would say stuff. One really impressive shot to me, which is what was it when they're doing that ride to all the rides that they do with all of the motorcycles look really impressive oh sure because they got all the real motorcycles out there so it looks good like they have what is it the very first one the first scene where he pulls over men and black chick and then you have this fucking stampede of motorcycles coming into town and it's like it feels right like it's they have the these amount of the amount of motorcycles that are driving by like the sound is so deafening like you can't even hear somebody who's like right in front of you i'm sorry i got caught and my mind got caught for a second because i just googled i looked at the linda fiorentino yeah 65 years old she's 65 years old that's crazy what she does not look that old well, I mean, obviously, based off other yeah, shows. Yeah, I mean, even in this, that would have made her, like, 30 years old in this movie. Yeah, weird. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. Those, those scenes definitely look great, but to me, mm-hmm. and the movie doesn't look bad. I Again, like I said, I love movies like this, which is, like, I, I like that look. Mm-hmm. I like that style. It just, I felt like the, the theme, this heavy-handed theme of losing your purpose your your mm-hmm. you losing your identity between yeah, identities. Losing yourself identity yeah it feels like it almost feels like charlie sheen is having to like i don't know how, like it works it works in platoon yeah where oliver stone is directing it where he, yeah. there's this crisis of whatever morality whatever you're trying mm-hmm. to tell it works in that movie right but the way that this movie is it, it doesn't really fit the movie yeah, I mean, I think it's also when it comes to like Charlie Sheen's character in general. I think they're you're piling on a lot when you're already going through like the identity crisis and like just being an undercover undercover cop in general is obviously like very stressful and yeah. anxiety inducing and like it definitely very much already a, a case of like losing your identity and your sense of purpose and like what your actual goal is with yeah. you know, hanging out with these people. And then to add on top of that, this whole like childhood trauma like repressed memory ptsd mm-hmm. thing it feels like a lot in the sauce yeah like, it and just I feels like actually, it's almost like too much like it feels like it would have been better if you just had focused on the actual like effects of the being an undercover cop or just right. focus on the effects of like you know not him like losing his identity or anything like that but just like you know going out of control with all these repressed emotions from like what he from the abuse he went through when he was younger but having like both at the same time i don't know if they really like feed off each other as well as like the writer probably hoped that they would i i my brain was going to take it to where when they when um price uh vance's character is first Mm -hmm. offering the job to saxon yeah the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. i thought that because he he says the line to the effect of like you were adopted Mm -hmm. um it's not your real name. You have a different name or whatever. 
I thought he was going to go, you spent your entire life hiding under a persona to make it through because of your trauma. Right. Which would then tie directly into him being able to be an effective Mm -hmm. undercover operative. Yeah. But they don't ever even approach that theory at all. No, they're just just like, we have unfinished business with the badge. And like... You have unfinished business with the badge. And also, Michael Madsen absolutely saw your face for a long time. Also, the thing that I don't really get... (laughs) I don't find believable in this movie. They're like, oh, just grow a mustache and grow your hair out. And nobody will recognize you. Like, Michael Madsen definitely stared at his fucking face for like a solid minute. If if the if um, Renee could tell yeah. from far away. Thing, yeah, like Renee, Renee that you once. If she can tell, there's no way nobody else cannot yeah, tell. Absolutely. Um, and that part is definitely unbelievable and already yeah. unbelievable movie, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that that element of the store doesn't necessarily work for me. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And the pacing, the pacing is the big, the biggest offender here. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot more of like dragging parts. I mean, there's specifically the part where Virgil ends up splitting off from him. Like the entire lead up to that whole thing, I was like, what? What are we doing? Yeah. Like, why are we out here in the middle of nowhere? Why are we with, with these two druggies? Why are we fucking taking them back? Like, it doesn't, it didn't make any sense. Like, why he was doing like any, it's clearly, it made, clearly they wanted to do it because they wanted to have Virgil get fed up with him and they wanted to have like the cop, like try to pull him over. Because they also wanted that scene at the end when it gets revealed that he's under the cover cop and you see all the yeah. cops that he fucked with. You and it does feel moment. like too... Like so much of the story is trying to be this like character story, mm-hmm. and the way that they approached it was look, we're going to have a bunch of random cool biker moments throughout yeah. the movie. So like, even the cool biker moments like don't really fit into the mm-hmm. goal of the character piece, right? Because uh, you could just have a plot, a really heavy plot of them doing a job or doing something that was not just a bunch of random things yeah. that would continually push. Uh, Saxon into this gray zone of a character. Yeah. But instead they kind of just like have these like fun goof troop moments throughout the second act of him, like doing random stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like, and then cutting to him being like, ah, ah, I'm not okay. Ah. And it's kind of just like, all right, so we're speeding up here. And then you, you, you just bullet train the ending of the movie. Yeah, the, the ending of the movie really just comes out of nowhere. Like, the gas station happens, and then from then, everything else happens in, like, ten minutes. And it's, like, and like it's ten, very like, abrupt. Yeah, in like, ten minutes. But I do want to say, so you mentioned how you, you really like the biker scenes where they're actually traveling. I think they were good, yeah. I, I think so, too. But my favorite shot in the movie is when they kill the clerk. Oh, that's a great shot, yeah. Because the the actual SFX on that, on that squib... It's a good squib. It looks really fucking good. Like, and the yeah. actress like really takes that fucking bump. Yeah, and, she and, like she bumped against that wall. Hard. And like she yeah. she hardcore like movie died where like she didn't have any life at all left. Like and her yeah. like she just died right away on gut shot. Yeah, and it looks so good. And then Charlie Sheen's acting is he does a classic man. He does a ah! <laughs> yeah, and it definitely is a little. Um, it's a little much. It's a little over the top, but at that point, I was kind of like already like, all right, let's wrap this shit up. I can, yeah, I can exactly. do some corny shit. 
exactly. Let's wrap it up. And then, and then within like six minutes, the movie's over. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. Cause after that is like immediately right after that scene, it, they have the meeting and it's like, okay, he's the undercutter cop. All right. And then he has the meeting with Vance. He's like, I want to fucking take blood in. And Vance was like, I don't know if I should do that, man. I think you're too close. And he's like, you fucking owe me, you bitch. All you, you selfish asshole. You've been taking credit for my shit the entire time. And then also like going back to the beginning of the movie where, where um, Price is like, yeah, don't commit any felonies. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like he decides to just not help this lady survive a gas station robbery. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess he, he technically tried to stop them a little no. bit. They walked he away. Took, he, he took the fat guy's gun. He didn't he even after blood's he, gun. They they shoot her dead. He decides to crumble at her at her and hold her head. Yeah, and then scream versus get out and arrest them for murder. Yeah, which is already a life sentence. Yeah. What are we doing? Arrest them for murder. Yeah. No, we're gonna Maybe get the money. That sweet ass scene where he fucking goes to the RV and he fucking confronts him one on one. He says, "I know what you." fucking did you asshole uh, i guess i'm a narc could you imagine like we're gonna have our final climatic moment in a fucking rv in an rv, tri- in an RV kitchen fucking two versus by this two. like really cool looking convenience like gas station store it was a nice it, set yeah it just like looked like a good like well lit cool like mm-hmm. it looked like fucking the gas station from three ninjas so this looks fucking or what another convenience store like we're gonna see Fester pop out and be like, yeah, fucking, this is a robbery. Like it looks like it's Circle K, bro. We get some nachos, dude. None, hey. of, that green, none of that green stuff, dude. <laughs> uh, speaking about that, real fast, because yeah. Beyond the Law doesn't have a lot to unpack because it's not The Departed or Infernal Affairs. No, no, they're really they're really pushing it to be Infernal Affairs, and they really wanted this to be like The Departed or Infernal Affairs yeah. for sure. And and I give them props for trying, even though Michael Madsen's villain character's blood is quite literally the most phoned in one dimensional character. I like Michael Madsen as an actor, but yeah, it's like this is the most like it feels that character in general should be a threatening presence whenever he's on the screen. And Michael Madsen is not that. Well, they don't ever give him screen time to, to yeah. develop well, then, And that's the problem with it is they don't really do anything to make him seem intimidating. Well, and then Renee says like, he's smart. Well, they never give him screen time. To he show shows that. that he's smart. Yeah. But well, they, and they, and they actually actively make him look fucking stupid when it, what was yeah. it? What? It was right before he beats up that undercover FBI agent. And he's like, oh, no, it was after oh, it. I can smell he, he's yeah. like, you ever been fucking uh, tricked by an undercover? And he's like, I can fucking smell, smell hot from a mile away. But if you watch Stone Cold, yeah. the way that they lit Lance uh, Henriksen or whatever his mm-hmm. name is, they like they really give him time to be vile and to be mm-hmm. uh, a bad guy. And the whole last part of that movie, uh, where he's riding through the fucking courthouse, blowing people away, yeah, like man. they like, let him be a bad guy. It, yeah. It's so entertaining. And Michael Madsen, who to me is definitely of a higher quality, what you would traditionally say, a higher quality of film history, yeah. probably in Pulp Fiction, obviously, mm-hmm. but, or uh, excuse me, of um, Reservoir Dogs, obviously, mm-hmm. but, in this movie that he just has, he has no time to just be a bad guy. Like he's just like in there yeah. in these group shots 
but the, and then a couple shots with it together one on one. But there's never any time where he's propelling his own his own plot. He's like he's like basically like stuck in his own little. He's, he's stuck on Charlie Sheen's character's like yeah. di- like a journey. Like he's not even doing anything of his own. Like in Stone Cold, I'm going to continually compare them to that biker bad guy has his own mission. I think that's the biggest thing is yeah that you don't really know what exactly the end goal is for like the jackal biker gang as a group because like I know in real life there's really not like an end goal type of thing but like this is a movie so usually you're supposed to have like some sort of like giant bust that yeah. or giant deal that they're all like building up for that like oh fuck man we're fucking bringing in some fucking international guys we're fucking doing a huge ass deal with like thousands and thousands of pounds of coke and you know all these <laughs> weapons and all this other stuff but there's like nothing like that it's just like these mini tiny deals that are like all supposed to like just build up to like this giant case against Stone Cold this. is like we have a big op we're gonna we're working on this big thing yeah. and it culminates in this big assault yeah and then beyond the law like Blood's whole goal for the jackals is just to like just to keep selling these yeah, small just, things basically just keep doing what, exactly what you're doing and it becomes this overall hour and forty five minute whatever how however long it is a movie about just like mm-hmm. watching stuff happen. Yeah, and then the main character is slowly going crazy, but but you don't really know why because the stuff that he's doing isn't really that bad comparatively to other movies we've seen where this stuff kind of happens. Mm-hmm. You know, like in Stone Stone Cold, the main character is never wavering. He knows exactly who he is. He is the eternal good guy character, which is appealing in that sense. Yeah. So him having to do bad stuff means that he has to like either fight that, get away with it, whatever the classic undercover stuff. Yeah. Infernal Affairs or even in Departed, like DiCaprio's character knows he's a good guy, but he's never been the good guy. He's always been the bad guy, but he knows he's the good guy. So we see that struggle here. Whereas in Beyond the Law, it's like none of the stuff that he's doing is all that. He's never had, he never had to like put someone down. He's not, he's not shooting mm-hmm. anybody in the face. He's not doing anything crazy, brutal. So him going crazy at the very end, is almost kind of like, was it justified for this movie? What we saw? I don't think so. I don't know. It, it almost felt like, like it to me. It almost feels like they like really <laughs> uh, deep ended the emotional journey of his character. Hmm out of nowhere when you could just had it had him if they if they went this movie route but made him confident that he's a cop mm-hmm. the, i think the movie would have been more enjoyable because then now the struggle is the classic struggle we, we see a thousand times all the time which is like mm-hmm. like talking about true detective right like we as the audience don't know if mcconaughey is a good guy yeah and mcconaughey as a character that character alone kind of portrays it as this gray realm where he doesn't know if he's a good guy. Right. Right. So him and the biker gang stuff, him coming back to be the detective kind of character, it's kind of this wishy washy kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but it makes sense because you know, they're portraying it super duper heavy, but in beyond the law, like what is, what is Charlie Sheen doing for an hour and 45 minutes? That's so brutal. That's making him like crack. You have no idea. It doesn't really feel like he's doing anything, like, particularly, like, yeah, like, wild or off the wall. I mean, like, the most unhinged thing he does is when he, like, beats up the FBI agent, like, too much. That's for his own benefit. That's for the benefit of the cop. And, I mean, that could definitely be seen that way. I mean, I I guess Vance wasn't too happy when he got spat on, but... 
But do you remember you watched The Killing? Remember? I didn't finish it, but I watched like the first two seasons. Yeah. So you remember uh, Joel Joel Kinnaman's mm-hmm. character? Remember the whole time in the first part of the first season where the main lady's care the main character of the main lady I can't remember her name the main detective the main character the, the detective. Yeah. She's constantly wary of Joel Kinnaman's character because she thinks he's like a junkie, yeah. strung out. And then we learn that he was a junkie because he's, he was undercover for a long time and he's having to yeah. get away from, he's having to recoup, but he is a good detective. He just happens to be undercover, had to yeah. be undercover for a long time. That is a good way to tell that story. Yeah. He had to, he had to get the job done. He did what he had to do. He got caught up. He got swept over, whatever. Mm-hmm. And beyond the law, it's like, Okay, you had a girlfriend that you met randomly, had a quasi daughter, and then you're also working. Like, what are you talking about? It's so confusing. Yeah, it's very weird, and it's also yeah, like the the whole relationship with Renee in general is like kind of weird. Because then it's like it's the typical like you know crime romance thing, but then it's like all of a sudden it's like oh yeah, I have a daughter, and then. The daughter shows up. He does like the playful, cute French dad thing. Yeah. And then you get to the daughter never showing up again. The daughter no longer becomes a part of the. I don't know. It feels like this movie does that a lot. Like it does, it brings stuff up for like one scene or like one moment or whatever. And then it just like tosses it to the side to not be brought up again. You can look at the Wikipedia page for Beyond the Law. Yeah. And it's literally three short paragraphs for the plot summary. Yeah. That's not a good thing. No. That means that a lot of stuff happens in the second act that are just a bunch of random shit that we're not even going to worth. It's not even worth for someone to input into the plot. Yeah. It's so it's so irrelevant. Yeah. But I wonder if, um, you know, let me see what people think about Stone Cold. Ooh. Stone Cold. I bet it's got a lot of new, good, positive ratings because of what Letter Media did. Stone Cold, nineteen ninety nine. My keyboard's too far away, so I can't. Nineteen ninety one. Oh man, it's a much bigger plot box. Oh, is it? One, two, three, four, five, six. Thirty-three percent of Rotten Tomatoes, though. Mm, eight. It's it was cheaper. Oh no, it was a little more money, but it has more plot stuff going on. So, okay. and then this, the Wikipedia Wikipedia plot summary isn't necessarily a definitive reading rating of uh, quality, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it means that the person, the fanboy, who put the plot in was like, yeah, it just here's what's important. Here's three paragraphs. This was yeah. important. Everything else, nah, nah. They don't. Nah. They, they don't even mention that he met this freaking lady's daughter. They don't. <laughs> not in this plot. I mean, it's not really plot relevant. So it's not relevant. They don't even mention that Virgil leaves. Well, that's a little more plot relevant. Yeah. Well, I I will say this lastly about this movie. Lay was it me. terrible? No. Was no, it enjoyable? It was. It was fine. It was a fine movie. I know exactly the quality that it was. It was fine. It was what it, what it was. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. But at the end of the day, I think that the people who were in the movie, I I think that they were not given the most fantastical script. Mm-hmm. 
And then the pacing of the third act really kind of just kind of zoinked the movie in a bad way. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the I definitely think the pacing in the third act kind of ruined the ride that we were on. Like, there's good moments in there, but I think overall, it just it went from being like too slow to too fast. I I agree. It was like too slow, decent beginning. Yeah, unsure of the tone of the movie at parts. Mm-hmm. A lot of different emotional elements that kind of clashed with each other because they yeah. didn't, they weren't written to be cohesive in any way. And yeah. then sped up very lightning quick at the end to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And and then the most offensive thing in the movie is to have it end with Charlie Sheen's character stripping off. Oh yeah, character. just stripping off every all and of then, his old persona. Yeah. Yeah. And then walking into the desert. And then I mean, I there's bet- like a title like title card or something like that that's like, oh he is Oh no, it's a narrator. It's a voiceover narration. Because it's Virgil. He comes back and he's like it's all true. And then he's like, live with Renee in like yeah. fucking Northern California or some bullshit. But uh, to me, that's the most offensive part is before the, before the narration part. But the most offensive part is just him stripping off the gloves and the jacket and the, or the vest and the shirt and him walking in the desert. And then having that long wide shot of him like with the desert waves and then him walking away. To me, that's the most offensive part to me as a fan or as a movie viewer, because to me that that I just know that the director and editor were in the booth being like, dude, this is going to be so sick. <laughs> he's going to be like taking apart his identity and he's just going to go like a lone ranger into the desert after everything that he's been through. And I'm on my couch drinking a fucking yingling flight being like, that was fucking you didn't that the the ending doesn't match the movie. No, it doesn't. doesn't. There's no he doesn't deserve to do that. <laughs> you know that wasn't the ending he deserved. He, he should deserve that. He should just fucking like walked out of the fucking RV, and yeah. then fucking got in the fucking shitty station wagon and drove home mm-hmm. because he didn't deserve a cool ending like walking in the desert for no reason. Yeah, were there not cops there to arrest him? Like what? Like how? Why would you walk in the desert? There are people there that could pick up the bad guy. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Zach. Any other thoughts about Beyond the Law? No, I mean overall it was a decent time, but yeah, probably not going to be on the rewatch list. Yeah, I agree. Well, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you back next watching. week with more. Check the vending machines. Check those vending machines, guys.